to us. I told Pastor, he took me back to my childhood home church. Greater Grand Central Missionary Baptist Church. The Greater Grand Central. Not Grand Central. They broke out of Greater Grand Central. You have to understand the history of black church in St. Pete. <laughs> Hallelujah. But God has been good to us. Amen. And we would just learn to trust and depend on him. I'm telling you, it'd get better and better and better and better and better and better and better. I'm telling you, life with Jesus gets gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder. And every day we're having more and more fun. Hallelujah. Enjoying Jesus. Bless God. Lord, we thank you today for this time in your presence. We thank you, God, oh, man, that we can praise you. Thank you for breath to praise you, a mind to praise you, a will to praise you, oh, God. We honor you today in this house, oh, God. And I thank you, Lord, that you are here. You're here. Thank you, God, for being here, for dwelling amongst us, God. You told us wherever two or three are gathered together in your name, we meet that qualification. You'd be in the midst of us. So we honor your presence this morning. God, I'm humbled to stand and to speak for you. I'm asking you to speak through me, oh God. God, I don't want to say anything that's of my own will and my own volition, God, but everything I speak, I want them to be spirit-revealed truths, God. And I want to use spirit-filled words to deliver this to your people. We honor you in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's read Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. Proverbs chapter 4. We read Proverbs every month, amen, every day of every month. I'm telling you, when I went off to college, my pastor, the late Moses D. Holmes, told me, Kim, if you read this, well, he called me Chimberly, uh, that if you read this, the Proverbs every day, while you're in college, man, your life will be wonderful. Did I do it? Nope. No, but when uh, I grew up in the Lord and the man of God said every day read Proverbs, I'm so glad I've got sense now. Hallelujah, because I'm telling you, man, if you just did every day what Proverbs said to do, apply every principle, life would forever change. Amen. So let's read Proverbs chapter four, verses 20 through 27. It says, my son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes, Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Man, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let thy eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of your feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left hand. Remove your foot from evil. Amen? Yeah. Amen. You may take your seats. While you're sitting, I'm going to read it from the International Children's Bible. Hallelujah. Last month in the Anderson House, we read Proverbs on the ICB, and when we saw these verses, man, it shook us. It says, my child... Pay attention to my words. Listen closely to what I say. Don't ever forget my words. Keep them deep within your heart. 
These words are the secret to life for those who find them. They bring health to the whole body. Be careful. Oh, look at that. Now, anytime you see be careful or caution, you better perk up. Be careful about what you think. Why? Your thoughts run your life. Be very careful about what you think. Your thoughts run your life. Don't use your mouth to tell lies. Don't ever see, say things that are not true. Keep your eyes focused on what is right. Keep looking straight ahead to what is good. Be careful what you do. Always do what is right. Don't do anything unless it is right. Stay away from evil. Now, when we read that last month, we have a family group me, and I, I, my husband posted it and sent it out to all the children, and me, of course. That one verse in 23, verse 23, be very careful about what you think. Why? Your thoughts run your life. So today I want to speak to you from this simple subject, it all starts with a thought. It all. Say that, say it all starts with a thought. Now, Pastor has been talking to us uh, the last couple of Sundays, well, our last three or four meetings, about dealing with uh, not being, uh, not drifting away, not being led astray. And he gave us three points that if we would just apply those to every area of our life, man, we'd be living fabulously. Yeah, we're going to start abandoning the world right? We're going to abstain from evil and we're going to add to our faith. Last Wednesday he told us if we do those three things in whatever area you need to apply it to, he talked about food. He said, listen, if you just say I'm going to abandon that mindset about french fries or that mindset about eating for pleasure, if I abandon that mindset, if I now dis uh, uh, yeah, Abandon that, and if I abstain from eating things I know that cause me problem, and then I turn around and add the nutritious things that I've been lacking, then all of a sudden I'll look up and my body will be operating in optimal health. Amen? Right. So it works. Well, today I want to show us, or, or God began to show me why it works. Why, if we just do those three simple things, it will always work. He gave it to me in just this basic phrase. He said, learn how to stay the course. So I want to teach you today how to stay the course. But I want you to remember that it all starts with a thought. Now, our ability to make it to our expected end is based on our thought life. We all know Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has thoughts about us. He has plans for us to bring us to a future, a hope to bring us to an expected end. Well, the only way I'm going to get to the expected end is if I stay the course, or as Pastor said, if I don't drift away. But if I become casual in my walk with Christ, I will look up, and Sunday means absolutely no more to me than Tuesday does. And worship means no more to me than March Madness basketball games. And praise and worship means no more to me than an old 70s hit from cool in the game. We'll find ourselves where life just doesn't mean much when it comes to God if we're not careful. When you hear the, the phrase stay the course, it means 
to persevere with as much determination, energy, or fortitude as one can until the end of a race, competition, or contest. It's a phrase used in the context of a war or battle, meaning to pursue a goal regardless of any obstacle or criticism. That means I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what obstacle comes up. I'm going to stay the course. I've got my eyes fixed on a goal. I've got my eyes fixed on a prize. And nothing's going to stop me. Nothing is going. How does that work? I remember in 2017, the pastor declared that by the word of the Lord, that that was the year of what? Total victory. And when he spoke those words, I knew there were areas where we needed victory. And I went after total victory relentlessly. Every time I turned on my laptop, I mean, put it this way, I just took that off my laptop. My home screen, when I opened it all through 2018, said 2017, total victory, total victory. Everything we talked about, total victory. I expected total victory. And for us, what we needed to manifest in 2017, debt freedom, November 6th. 2017, I said November 6, 2017, it got to the end, but we laid hold, what, to total victory, why? Because we didn't care about any obstacles, we didn't care about any criticism, we pressed hard. And what happened? Total victory, because we stayed the course, all right? It's allegedly, it originated as a nautical metaphor on maintaining a constant, unaltering course while navigating. That means that I'm not gonna change the course just because it got hard. I'll never forget in January, uh, we were in Frankfurt. And one morning, I was awakened early and I had to write it down. The Lord said, you know, my people won't lay hold to the prize. He says, because they keep giving up too easily. At every little obstacle, he says, my people are stopping. They're quitting. Just stop and think about all the things you quit on. He says, now, imagine how I feel when I look out at my body and I've given all of these ideas, I've given all of these, these wonderful dreams and thoughts, and the moment there's a little bit of resistance, but not anymore. Not anymore. Why? Because we have decided that we're not going to drift, that we're going to stay the course, that there are some things we're going to abandon, there are some things we're going to abstain from, and there are some things that we're going to add into our lives. Why? Why? Because, man, there's something God has for us. And it's far greater than anything you could ever imagine. He goes exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. But guess what? It starts with a thought. Before you get in the, th- the storm, before you feel the pain, before you make one move, you've got to have a resolve. You've got to have a resolution. You already have to have a made up mind that this is how it's going to be. And I don't care what goes on. I don't care what comes against me. No, this is the way it is. All right. Now, I'm going to prove this to you from Matthew chapter three and verse seven. I'm going to read 7 through 10. If you'll put up on the screen, I think I sent it to you in the God Word translation. Did you all get that? This is John the Baptist when he was speaking to some of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And uh, he showed us some things. He showed us that everything in your life starts with a thought. 
and that if I deal with the thought, right, I can get to where I need to be. He says, but when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to be baptized, he said to them, you poisonous snakes. I mean, I don't think Pastor and I have ever called anybody a poisonous snake. <laughs> Publicly. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Who showed you how to flee from God's coming anger? Do those things that prove that you have turned to God and have changed the way you think and act. He says, so you're coming here down to the river, down to the river. You're coming down to the river to pray. But guess what? Your heart hasn't changed. And I know it. You've not changed the way you think. So therefore, in my eyes, you're nothing more than a poisonous snake. Listen now. He says, here's what you think. Don't think you can say, well, Abraham is our ancestor. I can guarantee that God can raise up descendants for Abraham from these stones. So it's not enough for us to walk around saying, well, I go to exceeding grace. Oh, well, pastor told us that by faith I can do. It doesn't matter what you heard somebody say. It all hinges upon what you actually think. They were coming to be baptized, but the whole time they were thinking that they deserved this great life, this eternal life, because they were Abraham's descendants. And he said, no, 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 no. That's not the case. That's not the case. It's not just what you were born into. It's not just what you've been listening to. It's no what you actually think. He says, now look at this. He says, the axe is now ready to cut the roots of the trees. We know it in the King James Version as it's time to lay the axe to the root. Ha, any tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into a fire. Why? Why? Because their thinking was bad. So if my thinking is bad, I cannot produce the good fruit. And if I cannot produce the good fruit, I've got to be cut away. Or I'll never experience all that I've been hoping for. Now when you look at this, what's the root? The root are the thoughts. The roots are the thoughts. If you plant a seed, the first thing that's going to come out of that seed is something that's going to go down. It's going to come down out of the seed and it's going to produce the root system. Long before you ever see a stem, long before you ever see a leaf, long before you ever see a flower, especially long before you ever see a piece of fruit, you've got roots. Well, if the roots are bad, I said if the roots are bad, so if I would lay the axe, to what I've been thinking about. See, I, I stopped and I said, okay, God, what areas am I not seeing total victory? Or am I not seeing abundant manifestation? See, because I'm not going to wait till December 31st, 2019 to assess my year. No, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to wait till, you know, oh my God, it's December and I nope. Every day I'm assessing, I'm checking. God, am I in line? Now,
know that the grace is doing all of this, but I want to make sure that I have the proper thought patterns, the proper mindset that will be productive for abundant manifestation. And if abundant manifestation does show up, can I keep it? You know, a lot of people get healed. A lot of people get healed. My husband ministered something to me a, a couple weeks ago. He says, uh, healing, when it goes, it always comes. That every time somebody prays for you, every time he lays hands, know that healing comes. But I had to check my thought pattern. Today is the best I felt in a month. I'm like, look, I'm, no, I'm telling you, today is the best I felt in a month. Now, in this time of abundant manifestation, this 90-day window, I mean, my house got hit with sickness like our house has never, ever been hit. Now, you know I wanted to blame the baby. <laughs> my little Jeremy Wormy great nephew. I'm like, that baby bought in. And then I felt kind of, because he didn't release anything that is not everywhere, has always been everywhere, that I've always been around. I worked in a preschool with 27 Jeremy Wormies. And I never got sick like that. I said, God, what, what is that? Now I know that, of course, as Pastor said, there was going to be a mon abundant manifestation in the kingdom, but there would also be a mon abundant manifestation from the darkness realm or the evil realm. And it came. But I said, God, why? And why did it stay so long? I'm like, this thing stayed a long time. Oh, he says, your thoughts were bad. I said, my thoughts were bad. He said, yeah. He said, every time the baby sneezed in your face, and he doesn't know any better, he doesn't know that I should cover my lips, or, you know. You said because you thought that you were sick because of germs. So, Every time he sneezed in your face, you're looking for something to, oh, oh. Because I, for a moment there, began to think that germs, bacteria, viruses had an effect on my life. And so I, because I was thinking that, guess what I manifested? A sinus infection that lasted for a month. Why? It all starts with a thought. But as long as I was in the preschool, wiping the noses, changing the diapers, cleaning the bathrooms, I never got sick because my faith level said, because that was my occupation. See, I let it slip. Because that was my occupation and I had to deal with that every day, I kept my faith level high against sickness and disease. Well, because now you're mostly at the church by yourself and at home, you don't think that way anymore. I let it slip. So then it started with a sinus headache that I couldn't shake for a week. Then it started with the sinus congestion. Then it started with the drainage. And then it was the cough. All because of what I was thinking. And then, because you're thinking that way, you start speaking it over other people's lives. Oh, listen at you. You've got that cough. Oh, you've got that thing too. Why? Because I'm thinking now that these germs 
these viruses have some sort. But the moment I laid the X to the root and said, these germs have no effect on me at all, it had to break. I said it had to break. But it all starts with a thought. What are you thinking about your money? I said, what are you thinking about your money? Because if you're thinking you're going to run out, can I tell you something? You're going to run out. If you're thinking you're broke, can I, can I tell you what you're going to be? Broke. If you think you can't afford it, guess what? You can't afford it. If you think it's too... Teenagers, if you think trigonometry is hard, guess what? It's going to be hard. If you think you'll never need it in your life, guess what? You'll never need it. You know why you'll never need it? Because you won't be working any place where you'll need to use it. It all starts with a thought. So our lives are the sum of our thoughts. Say that. Say, my life, my life is the sum of my thoughts. Well, Pastor Kim, I thought it was my words. Can I tell you something? You don't have any words until you have a thought. You have absolutely no words. I'm speechless. Do you know when you're speechless? When somebody says something to you that you've never, ever thought about. That's the only time that you're ever speechless. But if you have a thought or an opinion about something, you have something to say. So my life is the sum of my thoughts. What have I been thinking? If I've been thinking that black people can never rise above the man, if I think I can't, then I won't. All right? Go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And for time's sake, I just want to read it in the Passion Translation. Let's just go straight there. We got to lay the axe to the root. You know, parents, this came when, when the Lord started dealing with me about thoughts. We had a Tuesday prayer, and I remember this coming out. Let's stop dealing with the fruit. See, we're going to deal with the fruit. You pick an orange, and, and it's not as sweet as you thought it should be, and then you get mad at the fruit. You get mad at the orange. But the problem isn't the orange. The problem is, is what has been done to the root system. That people who never fertilize their citrus trees, don't bring me none of your citrus. You don't do anything to your ground. So I know it's going to be bland. It's not going to be sweet. It may not be juicy. But people who take pride, right, in their agriculture, they, they work. They know there's certain times a year I got to do. And their fruit always tastes so good. Well, if I don't like the fruit I'm seeing, I've got to deal with the root. Now, a lot of times we want to beat children because of the fruit. But the problem ain't the fruit. The problem started two years ago with their thoughts. The first day they came home and went in their room and didn't open their door, that's when the problem began. The problem's not what you're seeing now. That's not the problem. The problem is what they were thinking way back when. 
Oh, well, she pregnant now. Don't deal with the pregnancy. Celebrate the baby. That ain't the problem. The problem was way back there at 13 when she thought she was ugly. Or she thought that the only way a girl can get a boyfriend is if I... When she thought that this is what teenagers are supposed to do. See, it starts with that thought back there. Not with the fruit up here. But if we look at our lives and we don't really like what we've been looking at, or we do see somebody's life and we do like what we're looking at, know that it began with a thought. Our lives are the sum of our thoughts. Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the Passion says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God and to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Look at this. Stop imitating, didn't Pastor tell us this? The ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. We've got to have a total reformation, not of how we dress, not of how we keep our houses, not of how we eat, but of how we think. So we must be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how we think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live. Look at what kind of life. A beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. When God looks at your life and says, man, that's a perfect life. Or that's a beautiful life. All because you allowed your thoughts to be transformed. Say this, say, Lord, Lord I, want I want my thoughts transformed. Yeah. And it's going to happen if we would allow the Holy Spirit and the word to do what it's meant to do. Abandon your thoughts. We learned that in Isaiah 55, right? Let the wicked, let the sinful, get away, abandon your thoughts. I'm going to trade my thoughts for God's thoughts, all right? So we need a total transformation of our thought life. Uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 in the King James Version. We're going to look at that in three versions. The King James says this, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every, look at this, imagination of the thoughts. So the imagination of the thoughts are the pictures that the thoughts create. Pastor's done that with us before. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes, for real. I ain't gonna let nobody walk in and take your wallet. Blue horse. Did you just see it? Yeah. Open your eyes. See, you, you created an imagination. You created an image from what you heard, from what you thought, right? All right? It says he found that the imaginations of every thought of people was only evil continually. Now you know right here in Genesis 6 is where Noah comes on the scene because God was fed up and the rain was coming. Let's wash this thing up. But he says man's thoughts 
were evil continually. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Not all men's thought were evil because we know Noah was perfect in God's eyes. You read over in chapter 7, it says that Noah was righteous in God's eyes. Why? Because Noah had a different thought life. Why did Joseph Noah have a different thought life? Because he came through Seth and through Enos. Seth was the one, if you go back and read, we don't have time to do this, is the one that they said, hey, they now started to recognize that we are created in the image of God, right? And then they went on to say, and we're going to obey his laws. They were the only ones, that only lineage that began to call on the name of God again. So you'll see why Noah had a different mindset than everybody else around him. There was a different thought culture that was created in his home. There was a different thought culture. See, we're going to abandon the culture of this world. And we're going to create a new thought culture that lines up with the... Now, children will test. Adults will test. We will all test the thought cultures when we're in an establishment. You know, let's just think about it. When corporate America decided... Um, see, when I went through school and they were training you for jobs and you were getting ready to go on these interviews, you know, they told you, don't go in there with your chartreuse green and your white pants and all your little flash. You know, your, 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 at that time, chain belts were in and your chain belt hanging all around your waist and all. They said, nope, nope. Procter Gamble, Procter Gamble's coming. Abbott Laboratories is coming. Here's what you have to do. You need a brown suit, a black suit, a gray suit, or a navy suit. No other color, right? No other color. And that's how corporate America flowed flowed until now when they introduced casual Friday and they changed the entire thought culture of the corporate environment. So now you understand why America is just nasty. I want you to start just looking at America. Wherever you go, Look at what you're stepping over before you go into a shopping center to spend your money. Look at it. No, look at it. When you go in the airport, look at it. Look at it. When you go in the grocery stores, look at it. When you look at now we bring dogs into where we eat our food. Look at it. Do you think that's normal? No. It's an abandoning of a kingdom mindset. And an adoption of a culture that says, whatever I want is fine. If I don't feel like putting on clothes, I don't feel like putting on shoes, I don't feel like wearing that, you can't dictate my mold. But if we create a thought culture that says, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. But see, if your thought culture says it's all about me, then anything you want goes, right? So not everybody in Genesis was evil. There was a lineage. There was a lineage. I decided that the children of Jonathan and Kimberly Anderson 
whether they were born in or chosen. There is an expectation. I said there is an expectation of a certain thought pattern. And whenever I don't see the thought pattern lining up, I said whenever I don't see the thought pattern lining up, we got to talk about it. I mean, we got to talk about it. We got to handle it. Why? Because thoughts run your life. So the moment I see that you're now thinking something contrary to the culture I've created in this home or the culture we've created in this ministry or the culture God's created in his kingdom, we got to talk. See, because if you allow your thoughts to carry you, where are you going to be? Not at God's expected end. And I guarantee you not at your expected end. It won't happen, all right? Let's look at that in the Message Bible, Genesis 6, 5 in the Message. God saw that human evil was out of control. People thought evil, imagined evil, 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 evil from morning to night. Folk coming up with new ways to do evil. God was sorry that he made the human race in the first place. Look at that. It broke his heart. All because their thoughts were evil. The evil thoughts produced the evil fruit, so he had to get rid of it, okay? Let me read it to you in the CEB, the Common English Bible. It says, the Lord saw that humanity had become thoroughly evil on the earth and that every idea their minds thought up was always completely evil. Every idea. Do you see why we don't just go online and take people's ideas and run with them? Because if they're not saved, if they're not Holy Spirit driven, their thoughts, their ideas, evil. That's why we don't go sit up in all them seminars all weekend, you know, with the big books telling us how to do stuff. Their idea is evil. Someone gave an idea about flipping real estate, and they said, here's what you want to do. You want to go borrow their money, and then you want to go and try to sell it before that hit the book. Man, that's an evil idea, man. So that you can keep borrowing and nothing ever hits your credit report, because by the time it hits your credit report, you've already paid it all. So Evil. Evil. Trying to beat the evil. Their ideas are evil. Their ideas on parenting, evil. Don't speak to, don't spank them, give them time out. You know, get down on their level and talk with them. You know how many grown folk I see in, in the mall? Now, little Johnny, let's talk about your... I don't have time to be squatting down in the middle of nowhere reasoning with a two-year-old. Oh, now don't tell them no. Let's redirect their behavior. Don't tell them no. Let's find another word for no. Because to tell a child no is really to stifle their imagination, to stifle their human development. Is that a dumb idea or what? And then the first moment they slap you in the face in the middle of Publix, 
my man, he was with his two children. He gave him some kind of order in these three-syllable words. And I'm like, what did you just tell them to do? Because I don't even know what you said. Something about your social-emotional skills, something he said. I'm like, you're speaking to these little children on that level? No, I got enough time for get over here. That's the thought culture, that children obey adults. Because their ideas in the world, evil. Everything they thought up, evil. Evil. Who thought that up? Who thought up the idea that washing machines don't need that much water? You have to wash, you have to really be a machine washer to understand what I'm talking about. High energy, efficient. I don't need your high energy. They taught me in school that water was a universal solvent and I need all the water to fill up in this machine, right? But now they got us washing with six cups of water. Half your clothes come out still dry and you wonder why you got yoga stank. Cause you ain't got no water. They're ideas, they're ideas. They're ideas, and the idea is we've got to help God. We've got to conserve water because God is run God ain't running out of water. We got to help God in everything. No drinking straws. That's a dumb idea. Dumb idea. Dumb, dumb, dumb. And then they want to give us these stainless steel straws. Now, if this glass is nasty, you telling me you clean the inside of a stainless steel straw and you want me? That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Their ideas are stupid. Their ideas are stupid. They're concerned about the sea turtle. Ain't nobody thinking about the squirrels. Ain't nobody thinking about the possum that we run over every three days. Nobody thinks about, but the sea turtle and a straw? Their ideas are evil, evil. So number one, our lives are the sum total of our thoughts. If I follow the trends of the world, you're gonna end up looking stupid. Don't think like, be totally transformed in how you think. Now, number two, thoughts are produced from words. Therefore, what I hear matters. Children come in this world with no thought or opinion on anything. They will eat broccoli, they will eat squash, they will eat everything. Until, until they hear words like, ugh, yuck. We do that because you don't like spinach. Now the baby doesn't like spinach because every time you went like this, you went, ooh, yuck. What you hear matters. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. Oh, because thoughts come from words. See, you saw blue horse because I said blue horse. Right. 
Mm-hmm. What you hear matters. Second Peter 2, verses 7 through 8. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is, oh, I'm not in Second Peter, that's First Peter. I'm like, that ain't right. And y'all weren't even going to tell me. Look at this. I'll go back to six, just for context. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. So Sodom and Gomorrah are an example for us who are choosing in Americans to live ungodly. Just look at Sodom and Gomorrah, all right? It says, uh, and delivered just Lot. So just like Noah, everybody ain't got to be evil. Lot was not participating in what they were doing in Sodom and Gomorrah. But look what happened, though. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. He was vexed. His soul was tormented, bothered by their conduct, all right? For that righteous man, Lot, dwelling among them in seeing and hearing, look at this, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. From everything that he was seeing and hearing, he vexed his righteous soul. If I keep hearing from a bitter wife, oh, just a bitter, and she just, da 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 da, yeah, yeah, my husband, da da da, yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me your thoughts about yours when he doesn't do what you think he ought to do. All of a sudden, now every little thing works your nerve. Why? That didn't bother you six months ago. It didn't bother you a year ago. It definitely didn't bother you when you were dating. You thought it was so cute. But because we've got all of these little girlfriend groups, because we got so many brunches and lunches, sitting up, yeah, 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 yeah. now all of a sudden everything's bad. But everything was wonderful until you got with that old cackling hen. Because what you hear will affect your thoughts and what you think will run your life. So if I keep hearing negativity, if I keep hearing complaining, if I keep hearing failure, if I keep hearing about sickness, then what do you think it's going to produce? It's going to produce those kind of thoughts. And what will my life look like? Just like what I said, I don't. Lot, a righteous man, a righteous man was vexed because of all that he was seeing and hearing. Pastor Kim, it's just music. No, it's not just music. No, it's not just music. Money, 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 money. Cardi B, money, 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 money. You know, she sang a song about some money. How she made her money? I said, how she made her money? So then when all of our girls walking around looking like tables are for dancing and not for sitting at to eat, where did that thought come from?
what was shameful in the eyesight of God become appropriate in our culture. I mean, when you go out, you want to cover your husband and your, your son's eyes because the shorts have gotten so short, they're not shorts anymore. Those aren't shorts. Those are denim underwear. That's not shorts. But then you wonder why all of a sudden grown men find a 13-year-old desirable. We can't keep hearing and seeing and listening to however you got to get it. And don't think your thoughts are going to change. They are. You know, people aren't in church right now out of one conversation. Once somebody said, you know, you really don't have to be in church that much. That's all it took was one little conversation right about there. Because that whole section right there left. I don't, you know, I don't care. See, I walked up on the conversation one time. When the husband was telling all the young wives who were standing around, you ain't really got to be in church that much. And all the young families, gone. It started with one Sunday a month. And not in any church. With one conversation... Then it took Bush Gardens this Sunday and brunch next Sunday. And then I'll come one Sunday, show my face. But then I'm going on vacation, so I missed that Sunday. But all off of a word that says, you really don't have to be in church that much. So what did the thought pattern? What thought pattern? I said, what thought pattern was created? You know you don't have to go to school every day. You don't have to go every day. As long as you get a deal, you make it out. You ain't got to go every day. You don't have to bathe every day. got to wash your hair every week. Where'd that thought come from? Yeah, no, really. Out of conversations. These things we're listening to. You think you're going to listen to the Yarba priestess Iyanla and all of a sudden you're not worshiping and doing mystical things? I mean, Oprah declares a book and everybody buys it. Why? Because what we hear produces a thought. See, my problem might be church because I heard them say on that talk show that that organized religion just really stifles your thinking as a human being and... See, here's the problem with your money. You're giving that church too much of your money. See, all it takes that one conversation. See, what, what happens is you, you give and you got to look at your numbers. 
Now tell me you struggling because see, were you giving them 10% like that? And you can't, you can't, you giving them, see that's the financial planner you sat down, you sat down with. I remember when I came out of college, I don't know if this organization is still around. I didn't know about money, I didn't know how to take care, I didn't know nothing. I mean, I was just used to my mom and daddy just taking care of everything. Then all of a sudden I get this job, right? This job that everybody kept saying was a good job. So you tell me good job, that means I can do whatever I want to do with a good job. You got a good job? You know, you hear your daddy on the tennis court talking to people, he say, oh, she got a good job. I got a good job? And then your mama get with her group and say, oh, she got a good job. I got a good, that means I can do whatever. I got a good job. And so my thought pattern was, because I have a good job, because everybody said I got a good job, all I gotta spend this money, and then when I get my check, I'ma pay for it, and nobody told me that, your, you know, income gotta be greater than your expenses. Nobody tell me that. But I gotta, I gotta, and because I got a good job, I gotta drive a certain way, right? So nobody told me that 11% interest on a used car was dumb. Nobody told me that. This is my first car. I'm going in this little office by myself. My mama, my mama always gonna go with me. She, that's, that's my hero, Chiro. She going with me. But she ain't talking the numbers. They talking to me because I got the good job. Oh yeah, give me that, because that's how I got to drive. Yeah. I'm like, oh. So then I ended up in the consumer credit counseling office. Anybody remember consumer credit counseling? Yeah. Oh, there was this not-for-profit. You go sit down with them, and they'll help you make your little budget. I said, this is so nice. Now I'm a good Christian girl. I'm going to get a Lord his money. So in your charitable donations, you know, this is what I, oh, no, 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 no. No, you can't. Hey, now you can't tell a good Baptist not to tithe. Because we are not under the law, we are under grace. So the moment she said that, oh, let me cut back on this. Let me cut back on this giving because I'm over giving to this church. To your dad's the finance man, he's got to bring you your check that re was returned to the church. Here, yo, you know this. Uh-uh, that can't be true, because I got a good job. <laughs> yeah, but are you balancing that checkbook? See, the words I was hearing affected my thoughts, all right? So it matters what I'm listening to. Go to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 in the Passion. If you want to grow in wisdom, spend time with the wise. Walk with the wicked, you'll eventually become just like them. Hang out with your ratchet cousin, you're going to start thinking like your ratchet cousin and doing ratchet things. I said cousin. Hang with your ratchet auntie, right? Listening to ratchet things, you're going to be ratcheter. Who is my mother? my father. Only those who do the will, I don't care nothing about blood, 
relation when it comes to walking out this thing with the wise. I don't want to hear what you said, what they did, how you all, nope. Are you wise? Then I can't hear from you, all right? Why? Go to Proverbs 15 and 7. You can stand the passion. Why is it that I'll grow in wisdom if I spend time with the wise? Maybe our thought problem is we're spending too much time with the foolish. Because they're so funny. Because they're so funny. They're my folk. They're my people. That's my cubs. That's my blood. That's our, we've been running together. Nah, shut up about running together. When wisdom speaks, look at this. This is why you want to be around the wise. Because they speak wisdom. And when wisdom speaks, revelation knowledge is released. Even in casual conversation. When you get around the wise, even in just their casual conversation, wisdom, revelation, knowledge just comes out. And you'll get out of their presence and know something that you didn't know before. But finding true wisdom in the word of a fool is futile. It's not going to happen. You're wasting your time. Listen to Proverbs 14, 7 in the Tree of Life version. Here's what you got to do. It says, walk away from a fool. For you will find no knowledge. Because what you hear matters. Walk away. That's what we used to teach the preschoolers, right? They're on the carpet in a little altercation. Hey, walk away. Walk away. But my new saying is, oh, you don't have to leave. I'll go. Walk away from a fool. When you don't see knowledge on their lips, walk away. I will walk out of your presence like this. As, as easily as I came, I'll leave. Why? Because I can't afford to disrupt my thought culture. I can't afford to have that in my ear. I can't afford it. I'm working on too much. Too many lives are hinged to me. I cannot sit up and listen to you talk this foolishness. I don't know how many hairstylists I've had. I like where I am now because ain't no foolish talking. I'll walk out. No, no. You know what? Just wrap me. Just wrap me. Just wrap me. Oh, no, just wrap me. Oh, I just wrap me. Bye. Because I can't sit in this. Ain't no hairdo that important and I'm going to surround myself. Well, just put your headphones in. Yeah, you can only do that for so long. Nope. Walk away. Walk away. Walk away. Number three. Listen to this. So we know now that our lives are the sum of our thoughts. That thoughts are produced from words. So what I hear matters. It matters what you watch on TV. It matters what you're listening to in the car. It matters what your children are listening. It matters what voices are speaking in their lives. Right? You discern that a teacher is a fool? Get them out of the class. Number three, thoughts are not yours. Every thought you hear is not yours until you take them or an emotional soul response is produced. Just because you hear something in your mind that's not your thought. If you hear something say, hey, who don't have a knife? I ain't gonna slap him. He got a knife. Um, some say slap Jonathan upside his head. That's not my thought. 
First of all, I'm not violent. I have a renewed mind. That's not my thought. That's, that's, that's just not my thought. That thought, all thoughts come from one or two realms. One of two realms. One of two realms. It's either coming from the kingdom of light or it's coming from the kingdom of darkness. But it's not yours. That's not your thought. Good or bad? Good or bad? It's not your thought until you take it. And you know you've taken a thought when a response, an emotional response is given to that thought. That's how we can, well, how they sitting on that word? That's not their thought. They didn't take it. They don't, they don't think like you think. Oh, you didn't get excited about? Y'all, I get excited about some wild stuff at home. I, I, do, I get excited. I, I get excited about the littlest things. And without fail, my entire family just ends up looking at me like, You just have to be at Culver's at about, you just, I just get excited. But they don't know that I think along those kind of lines. And so they don't, when you don't think like that, you, you can't expect that kind of response. See, I don't get excited about haircuts. Jonathan does. I, 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 don't, I don't, because his thoughts are about barbering. His thoughts are about ways. I don't, as long as that mess cut and brushed and clean, but if he walk up and somebody like, oh, he's about wave check. I'm like, wave check? <laughs> wave check? <laughs> but my thoughts are continually like on beads, yarn, shoes, purses, and for some reason now, floral cotton dresses. I don't know where that came from, but it just, and I think about them, right? And so if I see, oh! see how y'all just responded? I do that everywhere. Because that's my thought. And, and it's my thought. It's my thought. It's my thought because I've attached an emotion to it. See, some evil things that people think, uh, it don't, it, movies that people watch, I can't, because I have no, no attachment to it. So they're not yours until you take them. Go to Mark chapter 6 and verse 30, 49, 49, Mark 6, 49. So before an emotional response, a thought is not my thought. It's just a released word. It's just a release word. Satan is busy and he talks. His demons, they talk. God talks. His angels talk. But they're just words until I take them. You hear a word that says this is gonna kill you? That's not your thought. That's not your thought because you have thoughts of life. And so, you know it's your thought, right? If you start falling apart. You start falling apart about it. Oh man, yeah, you know they say my precious heart. My, 
my pressure high and I've been trying to get it. Why are you crying about blood pressure? Well, because you've already developed the thought that high blood pressure, right, is going to lead to heart disease or high blood pressure is going to destroy your kidneys or high blood pressure is going to, you know, cause neuropathy. Yo, you got all these thoughts. So that when you finally go to the doctor and get the diagnosis that your pressure is high and you fall apart on the phone, in the car, in the parking lot, why? Because you've already had that thought. Mark 6, verse 49. I'm just trying to teach you today. I ain't trying to be cute and funny. I just want you to know that if we get these thoughts together, things will change. Stop thinking crazy. Look at this. But when they saw him, Jesus, walking upon the sea, they supposed or they thought it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, be of good cheer, be of good cheer, be of good cheer, it is I. Change what you think I am. It is I. Do not be afraid. See, as long as they thought it was a ghost, they were fearful. But the moment they, if they would have thought that it was Jesus, they would have been of good cheer. Thoughts are not yours. They're not yours until there is an emotional, it's not your, that's not your thought. Now the moment it makes you mad, that's your thought. The moment you get happy, that's your thought. The moment you get tearful, that's your, that's your thought. But it's not yours until, all right? Go to Ephesians chapter two, uh, verses one through three in the Passion Translation. They're not yours until you take them. That's not my thought. Now, have you been thinking about divorce? Yeah. Everything they do make you mad. Because you've already been thinking about divorce. You've already been thinking this is over. Look at this. And his fullness fills you even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority. How does he fill the atmosphere with his authority? His thoughts, his ideas, his imaginations, right? He fills the atmosphere with them and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. He works diligently in those whose hearts work disobedience. That's why in Mark 4, when you read about the four grounds and the, uh, the wayside ground, the seed sown, and it says immediately the devil comes or Satan comes and he steals that word, why? Why? Well, he doesn't want it to produce anything, but... He also is, doesn't want anything around that's going to challenge the thoughts you and him have already established. Birds of the same feather flock together. 
They don't want anybody around you. When, when a person has good control over you, I mean good control over you, they don't want anybody else around you that's going to challenge that thought. See, teenagers, when you get around friends and they get mad because somebody else wants to be your friend, it's because they're controlling you. They're controlling you. And they don't want anybody in your, your sphere, your realm, that's going to challenge what you already thought. He works through thoughts. He's a spirit being. Right? So if anything comes along to challenge my thoughts, you know, oh, let me get that. Oh, let me get that. Let me take that away. Let me get that. Because I don't want them to even think that they can live. I don't want them to even think that they can be free. I don't want them to ever think that they can be rich. I don't want them to ever think that they're more than the color of their skins. I don't want them to ever think that your gender, I don't want you to think that way. So I gotta take that away immediately. Immediately. I said immediately. Just in case there's a little spot where that thought might find its way in or that seed might find its way in, all right? But the corruption, look at this, that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and the desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated. So before we're saved, all of our thoughts are evil. You come up with all sorts, so don't be surprised. When you see children doing all, don't be shocked, don't fall apart, don't lose it. You just take your ax and you take it to the root. That's why discipline is so important. You don't get freaked out because all of a sudden, I mean, you know you're in the preschool and the little boy pick up a purse and he walking with the purse. He is not gay. Do not all of a sudden go into some spiritual warfare because, oh my God, my son is gay. He's three. At three, they're all just children. They don't have any gender. But all of a sudden, oh, Are you warfaring over a purse? He doesn't know. So what you do is you say, hey, hey, hey. No. Purses are for mommy. Mommy carries the purse. Daddy carries the wallet. There's a wallet there in the, the, the drawer over there. Get you a wallet. Put it in your pocket. That's how you lay the ax to the roots. But see, you start freaking out, the devil will say, oh, she got that thought. Oh, she got a thought. She got a thought. Oh, she think her boy gay. Oh, she you got a thought. Oh, I'm about to show her something now. Oh, I'm about to show him something now. So you don't, you don't get... Chill out. Chill out. Take your ax. Take your ax and take it to the root. You take it to the root, to the thought. To the thought. Because right at three, they think we all just play with everything. Everything is for everybody. Everything is for everybody. All right? So the thoughts, we did whatever. 
I said we did whatever. Did anybody say, can anybody agree with that? We did whatever your parents didn't put the root, the ax to. You did it. If they didn't know you did it, and they didn't know to put the ax to it, you did whatever. Your natural cravings and thoughts of our mind dictated living as rebellious children. All because our thoughts were dictated by the evil one. It's not your thought. Before people are saved, they can't help how they think. They think like sinners think. And they're going to think that way continually until the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to help them transform their thinking, all right? Go to uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 17. Oh, I like this story right here. I like all of it. I think very highly of the word. I think very highly of it. Gotta have it. I need a new Bible, y'all. But I, I just, I just, I just can't, I just won't. Mm-mm, I just like this one. Huh, look at this. I'm gonna go back to 16. And he spake a parable unto them, he being Jesus, saying, the ground of a certain rich man bought forth plentifully. Look at that. Oh, it brought forth. Oh, his ground producing. Ooh, they blowing up. More than they ever had, my God. Increasing more and more, us and our children, Jesus. Abundant, yes. Prosperity. It says, but look at this. And he thought within himself. He thought. <laughs> Here is how you can gauge whether you are financially kingdom minded yet. Is when a good piece of money comes into your hand, what's your first thought? If your first thought is not the time, or your first thought is not how I can advance the kingdom, and your first thought is I'm about to go. We got, we got to do some transformation. Oh, we got to do some transformation, okay? And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. Oh, my goodness. He just took a thought. See, he thought within himself, but now he's taking a thought that now I got so much, I've made it over. He says, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Now people can really come by and really see how I'm doing this thing. Ooh, I'm about to get all the letters. I'm going to have L.E.V. on my purse, G&G on my belt, MCM on my backpack. Oh, my God. Interlocking C's on my knees, Jesus. Because I need him to see. I need him to see. I need him to see. <laughs> Next verse. Oh, look at this. Oh, and I will say to my soul. See, that's a thought. 
soul, go on and retire. You can sit down now. Kick back. You did that thing. You passed your cousin. You did it. Oh, but what did Christ say to that? Verse 20 for me, please. It says, but God said unto him, you fool, this night your soul shall be required of thee, and whose shall those things be which you have provided? So he that layeth up, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. But it all started with a thought. He took a thought from the evil one that all he had and all he had achieved was because of his own effort. And so he lived his life as short as limited as it was off of what he had because he took a thought. All right. Now, so we know our lives are the sum of our thoughts. Thoughts are produced from words. Therefore, what I hear matters. Every thought you hear is not yours unless you take it and you have an emotional response to it. You hear something, it's your thought if all of a sudden you get fearful or you get nervous or you change your course of behavior. Yeah, you start fussing about money. It ain't the money. It's the thought you have about it. The last point, I must force myself Oh, this is where it's good. To stay in the presence of those who challenge me. I got to force myself. Whenever you're dealing with matters of the soul, you got to force yourself to do some things. Because the soul is the real you. Now, your spirit is the saved you. But your soul is the you we get to all interact with. Your soul is what your husband married, or your soul is what you know, your wife married. Yeah, you ain't married spirit. Now you want to get to know their spirit, and you want their spirit to be renewed because that makes everything easier. But uh, I'm dealing with souls. We're dealing with souls. You're fighting soul. It's a soul battle. So you've got to force yourself. Why? Because our souls do not like to be challenged. This is who I am. This is how I think. This is how I feel. And your only job in my life is to validate that. That's why when you get angry because somebody challenges you about something that's very near and dear to you, you get mad. And when you get mad, you avoid them. You don't want to call them. You don't want to text them. Separate aisles. You don't go to bed till they sleep. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You see them in the hallway at school. You go the other way. You post something foolish on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. You do all of these crazy things. Why? Because your soul is vexed. And we don't like to be challenged when it comes to our soul, but we've got to force ourselves to stay in the presence. I said force yourself to stay in the presence of those who challenge you. Uh, go to Proverbs 27, 17. We know this one. 
you got to force yourself. Iron sharpeneth iron. Felt protects iron. Velvet protects iron. If all of your friends feel like soft velvet and feathers, I tell you today, you don't have many friends. I am not going to allow my best friend to come out. I mean, I'm telling you, if he getting ready to go preach and I see somebody else's hair on his jacket, I'm about to get it off his clothes. I don't care about no camera. He not about to. It matters to me. He's got something in his nose. I'm not just going to let him go because I don't want to hurt his feelings. Hurt his feelings? He about to go in front of people with something in his nose. I just had to use. You don't want to use it by you. I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. You know, his birthday right. I'm going to say, babe, 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 babe. But you got to force yourself to stay around people that are willing to do that for you. Velvet only protects your feelings. But it definitely doesn't make you sharper. It don't, it don't, it don't. So a, a man sharpeneth the countenance, the appearance, the look of his friend. We've heard it a thousand times, when you sharpen iron, sparks fly. But if you keep flying, running away from the sparks, you're gonna remain the same. And nobody, anybody ever tried to cut up a tomato for your salad? And your knife not sharp. And you go to cut it and the seeds just go everywhere. And you don't get those perfect little cubes like they have on the salad at the restaurant. Because your knife's not sharp. Well, do you know why many aren't manifesting what we're supposed to be manifesting? Because we're dull. We keep avoiding the challenge. We keep avoiding those words that force me to deal with my personality, that forces me to deal with my speech, that forces me to deal with the real me. The real me might be a spoiled, pretentious brat. But if your husband can never ever tell you you're a spoiled brat, and you not walk out mad and not talk for a week, then you wonder why. You don't really have any friends. Because you're a spoiled brat. Everything's about you. Where I want to eat, where I want to go, where I want to shop, what I like. Huh, but what about the rest of the group? Not everybody wants that. Not everybody likes that. Do you know sometimes in a family you got to eat something you don't want to eat? When you have five in your house, 
I guarantee you, everybody don't want the same. But at some point, somebody got to be able to turn around from the front seat and say, you're being a brat. We ate that last week. In the expanded Bible, that verse says this. As iron sharpens iron, so people can improve each other, sharpen their friends. But if I keep running away from people who challenge me, yeah, yeah, that whole, oh, just celebrate me. I can't celebrate that mess. Celebrate you. You're a hot mess. What, what do you want me to celebrate? What, what are we celebrating here? Well, why can't you just be supportive? Support what? My be the best message my husband ever preached to me was not here at church. It was at home in the little 735 square foot pink house on 37th Street where he rolled over and said, you know what? You're not always right and your parents, aren't the, the way your parents did things aren't the only way to do things. That changed my life. Because I thought that I knew everything. That he was blessed, come on women, to be in my presence. Cause how he got a girl like me. Me. Smart me, cute me, good job me. Ain't nobody stylish as me. Ain't nobody fly as me. Can't nobody clean like me, cook like me, wash like me. What? Like me. woman it's all in me anything you ask for baby if you listen to me parents have everything right, surely. Up uh, not. Up uh, not. Up uh, not. Mom, if you're watching this tomorrow at about, no, tonight at about nine, no disrespect at all, you're my hero. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Why'd I look up there because the camera's not there? You guys are, you guys are nuts. Separate. <laughs> the camera's back there. Only those two. You better not say nothing. I'll hear about this all week long. 
he challenged me to just stop and improved me. Improved me. Oh, you still got some work to do. I'm better than what I was. I bet you'll like me a lot better now than you would've liked me then. I guarantee you that. You see what I'm saying? You gotta allow yourself to be challenged. Last place, and we're gonna go eat. Huh? Oh, not all of us. Mm-mm. Take too long to get your food. When you got more than five in your party, take too long to eat. One day we will all eat together. At that great feast in the sky. Oh, when we sit at the Lord's banqueting table. Hey, glory. Amen. Amen. Because y'all know we're not having any banquets, right? They're not, in the, they're not on the plan, but amen. Maybe one day we'll just want to have a banquet for some reason. Oh, glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. Let's just go straight to the Passion Translations. We know it uh, this way. Take every thought into captivity. But I want to put it in context for us, all right? I don't need these. Now, please listen. I don't know that the camera's right there, and I don't know that I can see that. I'm getting it together. For I need to address an issue. This is Paul. Paul said, I need to address an issue. I'm making this personal appeal to you by the gentleness and self-forgetfulness of Christ. I am the one who is humble and timid when face to face with you, face to face with you, but bold and outspoken when a safe distance away. So when he writes these letters, he can really say what he needs to say. But when I get in your face, I look at you and I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can, but Paul couldn't. <laughs> I'm not much of a letter writer, that's the only reason. Verse 2, now I plead with you that when I come, he's asking them, I'm coming, but I'm asking you this, don't force me to take a hard line with you, which I'm willing to do by daring to confront those who mistakenly believe that we are living by the standards of the world, not by the Spirit's wisdom and power. So there's some things going on in the church that he knows he has to deal with but he is ready and willing to deal with those whose belief system is off, okay? For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. Talking about dismantling defense mechanisms. Dismantling those little personality quirks that won't allow us to get to the root of issues. You know, the always joking, the always laughing, the always avoiding, the argumentative person. 
Oh, they're not argumentative because they like to argue. No, they're argumentative because they don't want to get to the real issue. And so if I can create an argument before you have to deal with my soul issue, I'll do it, okay? So those defenses. It says we can demolish. You see that pronoun there? We can. He didn't say you can. He didn't say you can. And see, we, we quote this like it's just a you thing. It's not a you thing. This is Paul's discourse to the church at Corinth. He says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy. Those are thoughts, right? That opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, not you capture. See, people aren't very effective because you're trying to do it on your own. We capture like prisoners of war every thought, some thoughts, every thought, and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. We can demolish and we capture. Not you demolish and you capture. As long as we keep trying to do this ourselves. When you're talking about thoughts, remember thoughts take root. And roots, when unhindered, go really deep. Now, wayside ground is really, really hard to deal with. Pastorally and in relationships, as friends, as spouses. See that relationally, right? People, you're trying to sow the word into them and it just seems like every time you sow it, it was never spoken, it was never there. Wayside ground. See, I don't mind stony ground. Because we know Isaiah 62, um, men and women of God are told to go through the gates, right? And we take out stones. You can get stones out. It takes some work, but you can get stones out of the way, right? But you can't do it yourself. So Paul's telling the church at Corinth here that there's some fantasies, some ideologies, some thoughts that we've got to deal with, but we're going to do it together. See, you're not... We're not really honest with ourselves. We're not really honest with ourselves. We're not really honest with what we're really thinking about, not to the point where we deal with it. A lot of times when thoughts are really deep-rooted, you need a Paul in your life. You need a Pastor John and Pastor Kim. You need your flight team leader. You've got to have people who you can speak your true thoughts to with and they say okay wait a minute wait a minute say that again that's not how we think but see in your ears because you have been trained up with a certain thought culture that sounds completely normal but it's not until it gets into the ear of somebody with a different thought culture or mindset, does that go off like, ah, ah. <laughs> ah. 
cooked all week? Girl, I ain't got ramen noodles five nights. No vegetables? No vegetables? No salad? Lettuce and tomato on the burger? See, to you that sounded normal that I ate noodles all week long. But until someone says, well, how long do you think you're going to be able to keep that up? You let them do what? See, it sounds normal in this culture to drop your kids off at the mall and to just, oh, I went to Dillard's Friday, y'all, and the two babies were stealing. And I knew they were stealing. I knew they were stealing. And an older black lady that works there, she knew they were stealing because she came over to him. Can I help you? I knew they were stealing. And so I'm, oh, you know, I'm thinking, God, do I need to buy this stuff for them? Do I need to buy this stuff for them? And so I just got my little merchandise and left. My baby was at the ballpark. I said, I got to go. And as I was going out the door of Dillard's, the police officer came. And right then, man, I cried. Because I didn't go buy the clothes. And my husband keeps the credit card clear for other people. Like, God, do you know how I wrestled all weekend that I could have kept those babies out of the system for some Tommy Hilfiger shorts? Baby, I buy those. Go get you a set, too. But in my haste, We need each other. Yeah, you can't, you can't parent on your own. You can't parent. Somebody's got to challenge what you're doing. Oh, you're going to let them? You're going to let them do that? You're going to drop them off? Then that's where I got to that story, you know? Somewhere it's okay to just drop your kids off and think that the evil one ain't going to talk to them. He talks to you. Every tax time he talks to you. You ain't got to report that. You ain't got to tell that. But you don't think he's going to talk to them? I know it's prom season. Well, they get part of their high school experience. Yeah. Yeah. If you want them to experience that. You're right. Amen. Thank you, man to God. Thank you. But if no one, if there's nobody in your life that can say why, we've got to force ourselves to stay in the presence of those. Stop avoiding them. Oh, it shifted. I ain't funny no more. Stand up. I'm done. We gotta force ourselves. So remember this, our lives are the sum of our thoughts. Thoughts are produced from words. Y'all can stand up for real, I'm done. Therefore, what I hear matters. Every thought you hear is not yours until you take it. Remember Mark, uh, Mark chapter six, it says this is Mark Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. 
Take no thought saying. Take no thought saying. Take no thought saying. If you continue in Luke chapter 12 there as well, after that parable of the ground, Christ goes on and with that same teaching about not being worried. He says, take no thought how you're going to eat. Right after he dealt with that man and his overflowing barns. Why? Because that man thought that for the rest of his life he was going to be good because of what his hands produced. When you read on in Luke 12, Christ says, hey, don't take any thought about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. The ravens don't think about it. And they have no shortage whatsoever. And then finally, we've got to force ourselves. Say, I've got to force myself to stay in the presence of those people who challenge us. I've got to force myself. Don't run away from that coach that yells at you. Everybody likes the coach that just keeps saying, good job, good job, good job, good job. Don't tell my baby, good job, no more. You saw him miss that. Patting him on the shoulder. Good effort, Anderson. You struck out. Boy, you ain't seen the ball. I'm just using him because he's right there. He picked on me. Do you see? But that coach that says, Anderson, you've not been on that tee, have you? Anderson, oh, you missed that practice, didn't you? That's the coach that cares. That's the coach that's going to improve you. But that one that's saying, good job, good job, good job, good job, good job, good job. Good, what you mean, good job? That's a C. Good job. Are you working a job? Good job. No, that ain't good job. You don't get no good job. No, I don't give $5 because you got a B. You don't give $5 for no B. $5 for a B. The B said you ain't try hard enough. Ooh, that's so mean. They drop it any lower. Amen. So I've got to force myself to stay in the presence of those who challenge me. Lord, you challenge us. <laughs> so we're going to stay in your presence, God. Oh, God, you told us in Isaiah 55 that your thoughts are not our thoughts and your ways aren't our ways. But, God, they can be. So today we decide that we accept your word. We accept the help of the Holy Spirit. We accept the help of our man and woman of God and all those you put in our, our path, oh God, to sharpen us and to strengthen us, God. We want a total transformation of our thought life, God, and we know it's possible if we stay in your presence. God, we're thanking you today for a word, God, that challenged us to look at our real selves, God, and to be willing to make those changes that we have to change. God, I thank you now that this seed of the word fell on good ground fell on good ground, God. God, and even if it fell amongst the thorns, we're not giving up on anybody. If it fell on stony ground, God, we're not giving up on anybody. And Father God, if it fell by the wayside, we're praying that they keep coming until the fallow ground of their heart be broken up. We're believing for that in this city and in this region, oh God. God, we will not succumb to the thoughts of this culture God, we're going to abandon this culture. We're abstaining from evil, God, and we're adding to our faith. We thank you, Lord, that in you we have total victory and we will have abundant manifestation. We thank you for it now, God. We thank you for the wonderful plans you have for our lives. We thank you, Father God, for a hundredfold return 
on the seed of the word. We bless you out of Zion and we declare that we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah.